passionate about the truth of God's Word and will tell you like it is. Autumn Miles is a best-selling author of three books, popular speaker, CEO, wife of 16 years, mom to four children, not to mention everybody's best friend. With fresh biblical insight, she dares you to step out in raw faith. Hey, hey, it's your girl, Autumn Miles, back with you with another totally fresh podcast. Um, I've got a word for those of you that are beginning something small and maybe you feel like it's insignificant. I want you to stay tuned after the break so I can break down hope, encouragement for you. I want to speak life into your situation and your mindset. If you are beginning and you are staring at small, but you're dreaming of big, okay? That's after the break. Um, Just to let you in on my family a little bit more, I want to talk to you about um, yesterday. So yesterday I'm getting up I get up early. I have to get up early. My sanity demands me get up early. After 3.30 in the afternoon, I can't even think straight. I'm so busy with being like, I'm like momming so hard over here. You would not even believe it. I've got errands. I've got things to do. I've got kids to counsel. I've got papers to sign. It's uh, it's unbelievable. So I have to get up early. And I've, I actually love to get up early. I love the morning. I love the way that air smells in the morning. Like I'm super weird. Sometimes it'll be cold outside and I'll open my windows just because I love the way the air smells in the morning. I don't know. I'm super weird. I love the sound of a little Robin tweeting first thing in the morning. It just brings me joy. Uh, And yesterday was no different. So I get up super early. Um, I get my, I have like a, a little routine in the winter. Like I have routines for like the summer, winter, fall. Like I, I go different places because that's where I experience my morning the best. Um, and for the winter, I sit in my huge couch that we have in our living room. And um, it's funny, the lighting has to be just right and whatever. So I get up yesterday morning, I got my coffee. I'm just about to crack open the word of God. I am so close to having a moment with my savior. I'm like literally Bible in hand. And there is a huge storm that is happening at the same time. Thunder is crashing, lightning. But you know, I kind of feel like it's setting the stage. Like maybe God's going to talk to me through the thunder. I don't know. Got Bible in hand and I'm about to crack it open. And don't you know, I hear tiny little feet running on our hardwood floors over to me and they jump on me in my nice serene secret place and there goes my secret place now it's like me welcoming anyone over into it and not two seconds later i hear tiny another set of tiny little feet running over to me and my little little ones they don't want me to call them babies anymore because they're almost six but uh, I asked him, what do you want me to call you? And my son goes, just call me Squishy. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Squishy. Uh, anyway, so I've, I'm sitting there and I've got my two, my two little ones. Um, and they are terrified. They're totally terrified of the storm. 
Um, you know, the, at this point, you know, you know, when the thunder and lightning, like, like it's, it's straight up Garth Brooks over here. Like the thunder is rolling. The th Wait, is it the thunder rolls? No one's in here. Yes. I think it's the thunder rolls. Like, I mean, it's like crashing the lightning strikes. I mean, it's like all dramatic. And my babies are, couldn't get closer to me. I mean, I'm like squeezing both of them. And um, Haven is trembling and she's screaming and she's saying, you know, mom, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. Mommy, I'm scared. Mommy, I'm scared. And we have a lot of windows in our house. And so you could, you can just see the lightning everywhere. And Moses is completely silent. He didn't say much at all. He just is literally laying on top of me silent. And I keep repeating the same things over to them. You know, God is going to protect us. It is only a storm. Everything is going to be okay. I start referencing the power of the Lord. Like, you know, look at the lightning and know how big God is. I start referencing these things and, and, I, and I just speak them over them. Mommy's going to take care of you. Nothing's going to happen to you. We are inside our home. You know, I'm just kind of just like a mom does. I'm just like stroking their the back of their head, you know, and I notice that Haven has stopped trembling and Moses sits up and then he sits up and he goes over to the window and Haven joins him. And before you know it, they're like playing in the floor and, you know, I'm drinking my coffee and, and I'm staring at them at knowing what had just transpired. Now, my brain always kind of goes to spiritual things. And um, the Lord was just started speaking to me about what had just happened. The crazy thing about what had just happened is that Moses and Haven were terrified of a storm that felt like a threat. It looked threatening. It was intimidating. And yet they were never in danger of that storm hurting them. They were always going to be under my protection. They were always going to be under my roof. I would have never allowed them to go outside and to be uh, disrupted by the storm. They were literally under the umbrella of protection of me and my husband and our home. The storm seemed like it was a threat, but it never actually was. And I, I think so many times we look at something that arises. You know, we talk so much in the Christian community about this, the storm and, you know, these trials and these thunder, you know, the storm clouds or whatever. But a lot of the times what feels threatening, what looks threatening when we are under the protection of Almighty God, actually, because we are under his protection, is never a threat to us. He knows, just like I knew yesterday, it was never going to hurt them. There's no way I would let that happen. Our Father looks the same way at us. And most of the time, we can see the storm, but it will never actually be a threat to us because he is protecting us. I thought that was a good perspective uh, for today. Uh, catch me right after the break for a word on small beginnings. See you in a minute. What do you do when you can relate more to Jezebel, Rahab, or Eve rather than Esther or Mary? 
To her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply, but God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, Autumn provides a better understanding of God with a focus on the breadth of His reach to use and redeem all things for His purposes. You will find comfort in relating to Rahab the biblical harlot and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. To find out how you can get a copy of I Am Rahab, go to autumnmiles.com and click on the Books tab. That's autumnmiles.com. Be sure to follow Autumn on all of your favorite social media platforms like Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. We are back from the break. Welcome back from the break. Okay, so I got a word for you guys today. Um, This is something that God has spoken to me a lot over the years. Uh, I want to talk to you about this small beginning, small, okay? Um, Now, I know that a lot of people have talked about this over the years, but I think looking at what we have come through in the last year, 18 months, whatever it is, I think because we are not the same, I just don't believe humanity is the same that we were pre-corona. Uh, I just don't, I just, knowing people and being able to read people uh, as that's like one of my gifts, one of my big gifts, um, I, I know that humanity is not the same. We have been through something. And when we have gone through something, we, we think differently. We think, wow, it's like, it's like when someone goes through and has a, has a bad accident and they live, God saves their life. They live differently after it. They think differently after it. I remember, you know, going through uh, things that, that I've been through. My husband and I have been through so much, it's ridiculous. But when, after we go through a trial and it didn't crush us, we think differently. We can't think the same. We can't even function the same anymore. We grow in the Lord. We grow in our faith. We grow in grace. And that, I believe, is what has happened in the last 18 months. I don't think humanity is going to function the same way. We have a new mindset. We went through something. And a lot of times when you go through something, you you start thinking, I don't want to miss out any longer. A lot of times going through trial, going through last year, um, it wakes us up to think, what was I doing before this happened, you know, a lot of we're, we're grateful for so many things now that we maybe we didn't even think about for. I mean, attending church, guys, come on. I have never, I mean, I have never been so excited to go to church ever. And I'm a church girl. Like I, I love to go to church, but there is, it, I almost cry when I walk into the church building now because there was this, a time when we didn't have it. 
when everything was closed. Um, we have learned to be grateful. And we, and a lot of us, now not all of us, some of us just slide back into the same thing, but, I, but I'm speaking to those who God has done a work in you in this last year. You don't want to live the same anymore. A lot of us, some of those uh, desires and some of those things that God has put inside of us, now we have to act on. It's almost as if I made it through that. I don't want to waste any more of my time. Okay. And when we, ha- when God sort of speaks to us, um, and, and has woken us up, our dreams are not hibernating anymore. They're, they're fully awake. They're fully alive. They're ready to do what they were created to do. Um, he wants us to start things. Okay. Now, I have started a lot of different things in my life. We've started businesses, of course, the ministry. Uh, I've started motherhood. Now I feel like I'm fully in the throes, having almost a 16-year-old. I've started marriages, uh, too, because a lot of you guys know that Eddie is my second husband. We've been married for almost 17 years. We have started ministries. We have started jobs. We have purchased homes. We have started a lot of different things, okay? I, I like to say that I'm a little bit of an entrepreneur just because I love to start. I love to start. I love to build. I love to have a vision of something great, and I love to work backwards. Um, I'm not intimidated anymore by starting small. I am right now, um, what drives me, and I will say, if you want to know the core and inside of me professionally, it is achieving all God can achieve through me, no matter the start. The start no longer intimidates me, okay? However, it used to. It used to. Um, you ever meet those people who are like, you know, they're experts at starting a business um, because they never have. They have all sorts of advice on how to start a business and they never did it before. Okay. You ever meet those people that are excellent and that they have all of this advice on starting a ministry and um, they have all this great advice about how to do things because they've never done it. Uh, I find that the biggest experts in the world are actually people who have never done it, are the biggest uh, biggest experts on parenting. You know, they want to give you advice on how to raise your kids so bad, but they don't have kids yet. I mean, it's, it's actually crazy um, that we even take advice from people that aren't sort of that don't have, not the education, the experience to back up what they're saying. And that's exactly how I was. I had all of this awesome advice on starting a ministry. I just thought you need to do X, Y, Z, and this is an ABC. And of course, you know, I had been to college, so I just thought that I knew everything. And then I started one. (laughs) And it's like, wow, I don't absolutely nothing. <laughs> I've got um, college educated. I've you know been in ministry my whole life. My parents have done it, blah, blah, blah. But when you start, it's different. When you start, you expect progress at such a pace that normally is unrealistic. Um, you believe that you're going to have all these financial backers right straight out the gate. You believe that you're going to have thousands of people tune into your ministry like straight out the gate. And the expert in you that was an expert before you started quickly changes to uh, someone who's not an expert after you start. And I want to speak to that heart today. Those of you that are starting something and you're starting it small 
and maybe you've already started and you realize how much you don't know, how much you're in over your head, you feel like you're in over your head. Um, that's who I want to talk to today. Those of you that, you know, maybe you've had your first baby. I was actually just talking about this 30 minutes ago. Um, you know, you've had your first baby, you were an expert, you read all the books, you, you know, what to expect while you're expecting all those, all those kind of books while you were pregnant, you knew what to expect. And then the baby is like there and you leave the hospital and you have a silent panic attack because you have no idea what you're doing or how to keep the baby alive. We're starting, we're starting small. Okay. Um, and I want to speak to that. I want you to do something today. Know that you are not the only one that has had to start something small. Now, what starts small does not stay small. Okay. It starts small. Um, it's amazing. How does God make a tree with a teeny tiny little seed that has to be planted, that has to be watered? It starts so small, but it ends up shading lots of people if it's a tree, feeding people if it's a tree. Embrace that small. I want to tell you, we live in a world that does not embrace small. We do not embrace little things. We do not embrace small victories. We have been taught and we have been programmed to embrace viral, to embrace big, to embrace stages, to embrace book deals, to embrace whatever. And you, you then are staring at a picture of someone who started 20 years ago uh, and dropped a tiny little seed of faith in the ground and God grew it. Okay. We have got to learn to backtrack and we have got to almost unlearn what uh, even the Christian world has taught us. Embrace the seed stage. Embrace it, okay? Jesus did. He started as a seed. He was conceived in Mary via the Holy Spirit. I mean, he went through the whole nine-yard process. He started small. If he embraced viral and book deals and all this kind of stuff, do you not think that he would have come to us in full-fledged human king of the universe form in a palace in Jerusalem? Yes, but God values the process because he teaches us to rely on him during the process. Listen, I believe if God wants you to write a book or if God wants you to start a multi-billion trillion dollar business, I believe God's going to do that for you. But there is a process. You can't get so fixated on the end game that you forget that the seed process is more important. Hear me say this. It is more important than the final vision picture that you have in your mind. Why is it more important? Because if you don't plant that seed first, that small beginning first, you will never achieve that multi-million dollar business. Small beginnings start big ends. Small beginnings start big ends. Embrace it. Embrace it. I've got some uh, verses for you today. And these verses have, that was really good. We need to put, we need to put that out guys. Small beginnings start big ends. Whew, I loved that. I felt, I felt Jesus on that. Here we go. Zechariah uh, four says this and this, and God showed me this first when I was starting the ministry and nobody cared. Nobody, nobody cared. It was me and God and prayer. And that was it. 
<laughs> I wasn't even married when God told me to start this ministry. I was divorced, kicked out of my church. I thought, God, this is the craziest thing ever. I know no one. I have no money. I think I had like $37 in my bank account and that was a good day, okay? I have nothing. I have absolutely nothing. But I have your word and I have faith. And God brought me to this verse one day, Zechariah 4.10 says this, for who, who, it was almost like he was speaking straight to me, for who, Autumn, has despised the day of small things, or in other translations it says small beginnings, who, who's despised that, Autumn? And it stuck out to me so strongly because I thought if this is a question in the word, why it basically asking a question, who who has despised these small beginnings? You shouldn't. Why am I frustrated at my small beginning? Why am I frustrated that more people aren't signing on earlier? Why am I frustrated? This verse really smacked me in the face with a lot of Truth and uncomfort. For who has despised the day of small things or small beginnings? But these seven will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord, which range to and fro throughout the earth. Who has despised the day of small beginnings? But these seven will be glad. They see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. And these, these are the eyes of the Lord, which range to and for the earth. Here's the deal. When I started and I started super small, it was me, God, and the faith. I knew starting so small that if the eyes of the Lord were on me, He was going to lead me and guide me to those big things that I had dreamed of. And last year from 30 to 40, God allowed me to write three books. I didn't even know that was part of my plan. I could, I barely passed English, but God knew and his eyes were watching me. And I want you to be encouraged with this today. You're you're looking at small things, but God's eyes are looking at you. And he's the one that's going to guide your process of small into something greater. He's the one that's literally guiding, speaking, saying, listen, I know the path to get you to where you're going. I got it. I have been uh, frustrated, I think, a lot. And I've, I've spoken out. I've spoken about this a lot. I do this in a lot of, I work with a lot of younger people, people that, I, there, there's a lot of difference. So a, tw- a 15-year-old is different than a 20-year-old. And then a 20-year-old is way different than a 30-year-old. And then a 30-year-old is very different than a 40-year-old and so on. I have always, throughout most of my ministry, worked with younger, just just the younger generation. I teach the younger generation a lot. I've get calls from the younger generation a lot. And there is this fight internally in them from where the world is telling them they should be by now and where the word tells them they're going. 
there is an internal fight. And I think there's an internal struggle in a lot of young people wanting to have what their parents have immediately, wanting to have success that they see on Instagram immediately, wanting things that are just not set up the way biblical principles are because the world has preached to them a different sermon than the word has preached to them. And they they struggle between the two. I can almost watch it. It's like an internal struggle. And a lot of times I will take them right back to the scripture about stewardship. Um, and uh, I, I feel like I talk about this so much, but I don't think it can be overly discussed. When you go to the parable of the talents in scripture, you know, one was given one talent, one was given five talents, and one was given 10 talents, and the master went away. And of course, the one with one talent hid in in the ground, and he was called a wicked and evil slave because he didn't produce anything. The one with five and the one with 10, of course, produced what they were given. There was a time that they were given the talents and were said, okay, now you produce them. When they stewarded the talents well, they produced more talents. Stewardship is in the word of God. Those of you that are are looking at, you know, a small opportunity or something like that, know the biblical principle that you need to encourage yourself with is stewardship. How many clients do you have right now? Maybe some of you, I always wanted to be a a hairdresser. I still do. That's why my hair is like a whole, a whole thing. It's like a whole, it's almost like a whole country, my hair. Like it's like a thing. It's a process, my hair, but I've always loved those kind of things. That's why I have 14 inch nails because that's my thing. I wanted to go to school for that. And I didn't, I chose travel agent, which is obsolete right now. But when a hairdresser starts out, They start with a couple of clients, a couple. Now, if they steward those clients well, do a good job, they don't burn their hair off or, you know, cut them a mullet, they'll probably gain more clients because they steward them well. Now, is their business going to be bustling and booming in two months after they get their license? No, but they steward. They steward well. They do a good, a good job every single time. And eventually, years later, maybe you have to book months out in order to get in with them. My hairdresser, I have to book months out. She's like a genius. Stewardship is what the, the word teaches, not viral. But viral sounds better. Quick success sounds better. But quick success normally doesn't last very long. It's the long haul that actually produces in you what you need to sustain through the ages. I want to take you to a passage that has always encouraged me as I've started um, small multiple times. It's found in Exodus 13, and it's talking about when the nation of Israel was headed up to the Red Sea. The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way and in a pillar of fire by night and to give them light that they may travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, 
nor the pillar of fire by night before the people. When you're starting something small and you, you, you're embracing the small, okay, you're embracing whatever it is that, that's in front of you and you, you then you add in stewardship. Okay, now I'm going to steward these people. Know that the next step would be listening to the leadership of the Lord. Notice he leads all of us. Okay, we have the Holy Spirit, but the Israel had a pillar of a cloud by day and fire by night. Okay, and this is one thing that has always stuck out to me. He did not take away the pillar by day, nor the fire by night. He never left his leadership position. He never left the leadership position ever. He never said, you know what? I think they got it from here. He never left his throne of authority when um, they were moving throughout the wilderness in order to get to the Red Sea. As you are stewarding small, God is never going to leave his leadership position in your life. He is going to lead, lead you through opportunity. He is going to lead you through people that that you meet. He's going to lead you financially. He is going to lead you consistently. Okay. He is never, ever, ever going to leave the leadership position in your life. He is there while you steward to lead you on to greater things. You don't have to worry about missing something because God's not going to let you. He has not left, nor he will he ever leave his leadership position. Just like he didn't leave the Israelites. He led Moses who led the Israelites. One thing I love about this passage of scripture is it reminds us that every king has a king. Every leader has a leader. Every head of a company has a king that he has got to listen to. The Bible says the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord like rivers of water. He moves it whithersoever he, he wants it to go. Moses had a king that was leading them. And as you lead something small, Know that that leadership of the Lord is for you. This could be in parenting. This could be someone who's got a troubled marriage and you're like, I know I need to start small with my husband to reconcile our marriage. I just am worried that he's not going to respond. You know what? Start small. I said the other day, it's amazing what a smile will do. It's amazing when you take off that, you know, bad four letter word from your forehead and you smile at your significant other. It's amazing where that could actually lead. You start small, you steward the small thing. You don't give up. You listen to the leadership of the Lord and you allow God to grow um, and to break through that barrier of that bad marriage that you're facing right now. I love that he never leaves his leadership position. That has kept me sane over the years, knowing that I'm not the leader. I've got a leader who is leading me. The last thing I want to close with, and um, and then I'll be done, is a promise from Bildad to Job. Now, Job's life was completely tragic, and he was very successful. And then Satan came in and took everything away from him. And he had these terrible friends. They were horrible. Like if you have friends like this, just unfriend them, block them, okay? Block them and bless them. That's what you need to do. But uh, Job had these horrible friends that came to encourage him, but they didn't really encourage him. They totally judged him as to why he was in the position that he was in. Bill Dad was one of these friends. Now, Bill Dad was 
Um, he was a moron. Okay. He was just, his advice is very self-righteous and ugh, I would not want him as a friend, but he did say something that was actually smart. <laughs> he didn't even know how smart what he said was to Job. He was looking at his friend who had just lost everything. And he was in the depths of despair, was getting ready to have to literally start his life completely over. And he said this to him, even people that don't know what they're talking about sometimes say good things. He said this, though your beginning was insignificant, yet your end will increase greatly. Bildad didn't even know how smart he was because when Job leaned into the Lord and relied on the Lord, that's exactly what happened. Bildad looked at him and said, though your beginning may be insignificant, your end will increase greatly. And the Lord, uh, Job 42, verse 12, blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And it lists everything that God does to him at the end. Job had to completely restart. And maybe that's where some of you guys are today. I had to completely restart my life after my first marriage, completely restart from the bottom up. I had nothing. I had nothing. But I clung to this verse. I embraced my small beginnings. I steward opportunities, relationships, people, my faith. And God in his leadership brought the growth. And let me tell you this. I'm nowhere near where I'm going. Embrace those small beginnings. Embrace them. Embrace the awkwardness of them. Embrace the insecurity of them. Embrace the doubt and your decisions of them. Embrace it because God steps in and teaches you an amazing amount of wisdom through the process as he is leading you to that picture that you have in your mind of where you want to go. I love you guys. I hope this helps you today. It even encouraged my heart today. <laughs> I love these scriptures. I love you guys. I'll be right back after the break to answer a question from one of you. Are you looking for a passionate speaker for your next conference, church function, or fundraiser? Autumn Miles is the right fit for you. As the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministries, a live event ministry, Autumn has not only spoken at events around the country, she has planned and directed them. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she is passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. To find out how you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. <laughs> And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hey, hey, I am back 
from the break with a question from you. And thank you for sending these questions. You can send them to hello at autumnmoz.com. We would love to hear from you that way. But you also could just DM me on social and it's fine. <laughs> we get all your questions. We've got a team of people. Eyes on always. Eyes on always. Looking to encourage you, to pray with you, to do whatever we can to help you and assist you with your life. Because I don't know about you, but I need help. Okay. This is from Kamara. Love this. Love you, Kamara. Thank you for sending it in, my dear. I always struggle with feeling like God is distant because of my emotions or lack thereof. How do you not let your emotions get in the way of your relationship with God? Girl, everyone and their mom feels like this <laughs> at one point or another. I, I Emotions are gifts. Emotions are gifts. Like I was watching... Um, Oh gosh, we bought a zoo the other night. You guys, I watched, we bought a zoo. I literally, and I, it wasn't the other night. It was on an airplane a couple of days ago. And I thank God there was a seat between me and the girl on the side of me because I got into the ugly, sobby cry and the girl beside me, I know she noticed, but I was like, you know what? I'm by myself. I'm traveling home, whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. My emotions took over. Emotions are gifts. I wanted to cry. I wanted to be involved dramatically with the movie We Bought a Zoo. It was precious. They were buying a zoo. It was so cute. Emotions are gifts. So let's not, uh, I don't want you to say, you know, my emotions are terrible and they're like, whatever. They're gifts from God. It's amazing. You know, when you see your kid walk for the first time or something, you want to be there. You want to be happy. You want to be filled with joy. Those are, those are good, good things. Emotions can, however, manipulate what you think about God. Okay. A lot of times, the reason that God is so great is because He's consistently there unconditionally for you. Okay. He doesn't look at us the way we look at Him. He looks at us unconditionally. I love Kamara. No matter what, I am there. No matter what she does, I'm going to love her. No matter who she is, I'm going to love her. No matter how much money she has, I'm going to love her. We don't look at God. A lot of times, there's no way we can look at him the way he looks at us. He knows that he loves us and thinks of us and is always there for us unconditionally. Emmanuel, God with us. But we think he thinks like us and he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. So when we think he thinks like us and we think, well, I did this wrong. So God might not want to hang out with me or God might not want to answer my prayer. Or God might not want to bless me or God might not want to give me direction or whatever. God is never thinking that. He thinks about us with unconditional love. We often think, he thinks like us, but he never will. Okay. So know that going into whatever, uh, to whatever season you're in with the Lord, he will never think like you. His ways are 100% higher. Now that's from his, from what the word tells us about him for you, you have got to discipline your mind to think higher than how you feel. A lot of times I will feel like God is silent and doesn't want to speak to me. And there are silent seasons, but he's always speaking through his word. You have got to remind your emotions who God is. And when you remind your, sometimes you have to give your, you have to preach to yourself. Ooh, that's so good. I probably have tweeted that out at some point. Sometimes you have to preach to yourself. 
and you have to calm yourself down and you have to remind yourself that you are this finite small creature that God created and God does not think like you think he thinks. And when you remind yourself and put God in the perspective that his word tells you, um, that his word defines him as, a lot of times it will calm down our emotions and we will remember that God loves us unconditionally, okay? You have to discipline yourself to think rightly about the character of God. And when you think rightly about the character of God, he has always said he will never leave us. So he is with you. He has always said that he will hear our prayer and answer. He has always said, based on his processes in the scripture, he will do certain things for us. So Kimora, you have to discipline your mind to believe that God is who he says he is. And when you do, your emotions don't have so much power over you. Love you guys. I will see you next week right back here on the Autumn Miles Show. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show. (laughs) 